following talk was given at St. Maximilian Kolbe Catholic Church in Houston, Texas on Tuesday, February 13th. In this talk, Alan and Danae Hebert of Your Holy Family Ministries talk about the importance of the Catholic community and family life. Tonight we're going to be talking about community. So in our little discussions we talked about where do you choose to create your community. So um, did anyone throw out some ideas of where they, you create your community that you talked about? Church, ministry. mostly church, yeah, ministry, neighborhood, schools, right. So, interestingly enough, on your little flyer, there's a bunch of information on there that I found. So, there's a senator, Senator Mike Lee, in a speech at the American Enterprise Institute, said, the destruction of community life is a spiritual crisis for millions of our fellow citizens. This was just said this past year. Like, right now, we're living in a culture that is devoid of community life. It's lacking community life. So many people are living in isolation. They're um, withdrawing from the world. They, they're not spending time with others. Um, we have a culture that is so concerned with individual accomplishments that the value of others has, has lost its appeal and the results have been disastrous. We're riddled with loneliness, depression, lots of people on uh, anxiety medicines and so forth. Uh, God did not design us to live in isolation. Family life that we live, it can be very hard and we need each other to navigate the challenges it brings. The devil is very cunning and if we do not fortify our families with the support of other families living this crazy Catholic life we're called to live, will fail and we will fail how will we fail we will fail to pass on the faith because we're called to pass on the faith to our our, our children and the younger generation um, Alan and I have been to uh, many different funerals over the years and we would recognize how you could go to one family funeral and you could see wow this is, it's so beautiful like all the kids are still in the faith and they're all still practicing together and you could see that unity and then you go to another funeral and there'd be a smattering of people who even knew what to do in the church that they totally had not passed on the faith that they didn't you know um, for whatever reason whatever happened in their family it got lost on the next generation and I remember one particular funeral we, we went to a friend of ours uh, they lost their uh, daughter at a very young age to cancer and uh, she was a young adult and she had suffered many years. And when we went to her funeral, it was huge. She came from a big family, and they were all very Catholic. And so we went up to her, and we kind of asked her, like, what do you think it was that allowed all your siblings, everybody, to, to maintain their faith? And interestingly enough, she said that one of the aunts had been born with a disability. And so she was in the home and, and always being cared for. And she said it, it was that suffering that really bonded us and it was like it kept us close to the faith that suffering and it was it was such an interesting response like you know you wouldn't think that that's what she was going to say but it was like recognizing the value in some of the crises that we go through as families can actually fortify us and cause us to grow closer to the church and so in that family she said priests were coming over all the time and you know they were coming to pray with them or you know whatever and she said that really solidified the faith in that family they became very close through that experience and uh even jesus you know we talked about jesus growing up in a family when he 
went out into his ministry and gathered his apostles. He kind of created his own new family. You know, his 12 apostles were like his new family, just like when we break away from our home and we create our own family. And he trained them for three years, and when he sent them out, he always sent them out two by two. He sent them out in community. He never sent them alone, because he knew if he sent them alone, they would struggle and they would fall. They needed each other to have the strength for the mission. And likewise, the same thing in our families. We need each other to have the strength for the mission in order to succeed. And so this is where community comes in. This is our call to community. In Pope Paul VI's great encyclical, Populorum Progressio, states that the natural family, stable and monogamous, that word stable gets used a lot, a stable family, as fashioned by God, God ordained the family, sanctified by Christianity, in which different generations live together, helping each other. We're called to be helping each other to acquire greater wisdom and to harmonize the personal rights with other social needs is the basis of society. So in that, the way that we raise our families, in that the way that we build our communities, it will shape society. So to the extent that we do a good job is to the extent that our society will thrive. And to that end, this is riddled with information that's going on right now in our society where they're studying, sociologists are studying American culture, and they're trying to figure out what is going wrong because there are so many struggles that are happening out there. The family is no longer this nucleus. It's divided. It's broken. It's, it's stretched, and they're finding fewer people joining communities and being associated in groups and communities, and it's actually affecting the success of our nation. So this concern for others that we as Christians are called to have, we're called to have concern for others, it's always been a Christian principle, we must return to this value in order to thrive as humans. This self-centeredness that our culture is feeding, this um, you know autonomy that our culture is feeding is actually causing us to kind of implode upon ourselves because we become despondent. We become, you know, uh, desolate inside. It's like it's suffering of the soul. You know, I really like what Senator Mike said. It's a, it's a spiritual crisis. You know, our souls are yearning. They're yearning for more. And um, we can't do it alone. We need others. Vatican II and the decree on the Apostle lay people stress that the well-being of the individual person and of both human and Christian society is closely bound up with the healthy state of conjugal and family life. A healthy family life. You know, that, that the state of the family. It's always constantly going back. You know, the church is telling us we have to have this healthy state of the family. So what is a healthy state of the family? So we've been talking about all these different things of ways to make our families healthy. You know, we talked about, you know, our priorities. Where do we spend our time? Is everything properly ordered? We've talked about family prayer and how family prayer is like this foundation that binds us together where our children know that we, we call on God to help us in life, that we seek God's assistance, that we are grateful to God for everything that comes our way, and we have some place to go in times of need. Prayer time and play time, playing as a family. We've talked about playing with the kids, staying engaged, being connected, and then 
ultimately having this communion of persons in the family where you really know each other, you know what our wants and our needs are, you know how to fulfill that child in your home and what they get excited about and how to make them happy. Like when you know what they're going through in school, what their struggles are, like to be engaged in what is going on inside the person where we can share, it causes that unity. And then to add on top of all of those things that we've been building have all been about our interior family, our nuclear family. And once you kind of get that set, then you're kind of ready to say, okay, I need to now find my family with another family. I need to find that community that's going to support me in my mission to raise missionaries, martyrs, and saints. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to not only get our spouses to heaven, but we're called to get our children to heaven. And so we, we need other families that are living this crazy, heroic lifestyle in order to succeed. So when you find good Catholic friends that can support the way you're raising your children, it's kind of like building this wall of protection from the evil one around you. Matthew 18, 20 states, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Christ wants to be with us in our journey as families. And a sure way to invite him in is to uh, build relationships with other families. Pray with other families. We need other families to journey with towards holiness. So Christ ordained that we all come together at the Mass. We don't have individual Masses for each other. We all come together as a community. And as much as we can start to make that parish family feel like a community is how we can feel strengthened by it. If you're going to Mass and you don't know anybody around you, we have to fix that. We have to get to know our neighbors because we're all called to be there for one another. And, and God forbid someone comes and nowhere ever says hi to them and they never feel connected to the community. And, and that's my fault because I didn't say hi to them, you know? Like when someone's hurting, you want to be there for them. But if you've never reached out to them and given them the opportunity to know you, they wouldn't know they could ask. Archbishop Charles Chaput says, Nothing is more demanding and nothing takes more care and self-sacrifice than love within a family. We need to create the room for a silence that we can fill with conversation. We need to be having conversations with each other. Christian families working together can change the world. So what does it look like and how do we begin? How do we begin to build a strong community of families? So first and foremost, pray for God to lead you to a family he has planned for you to become friends with. Because there are not accidents. God bumps us into people that he wants us to journey with. And you, if you look back on your life, you can see how he manipulates your comings and goings and how certain people just get put in your path. And all of a sudden you find you have something in common or you find like you can help each other. And so be open to listening and seeing those opportunities. Because he does. He puts those opportunities in our path. But pray for it. Ask God, you know, find that family that is going to help our family go on this journey. And he will. He'll answer that prayer. Many families will come and go in our lives. We will be changed by all of them, and hopefully they will be changed too. Invite someone over. Get to know them. If you're sharing a meal together, it's easy to say grace together. So you can say, well, it's uncomfortable to pray with somebody. Well, it's not uncomfortable to sit down and pray in front of 
the meal. We, we do that, that's just like rote, that's who we are as Catholics. It's a very simple thing to do and it's a way of kind of baby stepping into a more intimate relationship with another family. Um, maybe you could uh, say, hey, let's go to the 9.30 mass and after mass we can do this. And then you've you know, kind of done something that we all naturally do. It's not intrusive um, to maybe ask someone to pray with you, but it's, it's living the faith with another family. You know, like this is something that we do and we can do together and it can build us up. Um, I know I was sharing at my table, we had a family that uh, we were raising all of our little kids with and whenever uh, our husbands were out of town, we would um, have family meals together. So I would go to her house and have a family meal together or she'd come to my house and have a family meal together. And then we did that so often, we started doing it even when the husbands weren't out of town where both families would just come together once a week and we'd either their house or our house, their house or ours. And uh, we got so comfortable with each other, it was like the kids became cousins. I mean, like they feel like those are their cousins and we celebrate Christmas Eve with them now. That's like our tradition. We are always together on Christmas Eve. Before we go see our family families, we are with this family. Like that's how close we've become. And um, at, in the evenings, before we would uh, depart or, you know, it's time to go to bed, we'd actually sit down and say, okay, kids, let's pray, pray, pray the rosary together. And so we were all doing this together, and their kids were seeing our kids pray, and our kids were seeing their kids pray, and it was, it was almost like this competition, like, who wants to lead? Oh, you know, all the kids were, like, you know, competing to be the one who got to lead that decade of the rosary. And it, it's such a beautiful thing because it, it strengthened our children in their faith, seeing another family doing the same thing we do. And uh, we've traveled to places to afford our children the opportunity to see other families do that. We've gone to Catholic conferences, we've gone to Catholic Family Land, and, and they get to go to an environment where they can see it's not just, you know, my parents and their one set of friends or two set of friends, but it's, it's universal. You know, the Catholic Church is universal, and you can go all over the world, and you can see families doing the same thing we're doing. And it strengthens us to know we're not alone. Um, but be patient with family relationships because relationships take time. And sometimes it's just going to be getting to know each other and spending friendly, cordial time together. And you may not click with each family you try. And it might take several families before you really find that one that you can be intimate with. But keep trying. You keep looking for who does God have planned for you to become close to right now. Children need to see that there are families being raised like they are. The bonds you create in childhood for them can serve as a support for them in their teenage years. I know we've seen our young adults turn towards some of their, our fam family friends when they've had questions or concerns or things that maybe they didn't want to talk to us about, but they felt like they could answer that question for them better. And it's, it's encouraging to us that, like, well, if they won't come talk to us, at least they'll go talk to someone we know, and we know they're going to continue to get good advice. And um, having those opportunities to meet different personalities, people that, you know, our children might connect better with sometimes, um, especially when they get older, is valuable for them. Archbishop Charles Chaput says the mission of the church is sanctifying the world and nourishing families share in her mission. So we as families share in that mission of sanctifying the world. And as much as we can sanctify our family and sanctify other families around us, we're, we're continuing that mission of Christ that we're all called to do as individuals. God has great faith in us because 
He's charged us with not only getting our spouse to heaven, but our children. And we have to take that mission seriously or we will not be able to pass on the faith. It doesn't happen on its own. It's not going to happen just by going to Sunday Mass and never talking about it again. If that's the kind of Catholic life you're living, your children won't even pick up that kind of Catholic life. What we have found is families who, who just went to church every Sunday, their children don't even do that. Like, it, it dwindles. It continues to dwindle, and people do less and less. Um, it, it's going to happen. You're going to pass on the faith by having an intentional desire to do so. So it has to be an intention. You have to desire it, and you have to do something about it. You have to have actions. So this intentional discipleship that we're called to live, we're called to live in our family in a very heroic way. Don't send your teenagers out into the world without a support system. They will fall. The world can be a very difficult place, and when trials happen, we want them to know where they can turn for help. If they don't feel comfortable turning to us, hopefully you've provided them with others that will support them in their quest to raise missionaries, martyrs, and saints, because that's what we're called to do, missionaries, martyrs, and saints. Did you want to share some stories? Because I know I kind of like <laughs> ran through that. <laughs> we've had lots of fun, different community stories, because, you know, just like all of you, we've grown in and out of communities. You know, people have been in our lives, they've moved away, jobs have changed, and Everyone, you know, just affects us. I mean, we have this one particular family that we were really close to. We did a lot with when they lived here. And then they moved away to um, Kansas. And we would travel to a conference in Kansas. And every time we would travel up there, we'd go and spend time with that family. And it was almost like we hadn't been apart. Because we had such a close friendship with them. And we had done so much that our kids just they fall right in and they can enjoy one another in, in such a great way because we kind of live a similar life and so they're comfortable together and um, so that's one connection you, you know we've had with families coming in and out of our lives um, I don't know if you have yeah, another well, story it, it does take work I mean I, I don't want to like trivialize it so I was listening I said well it sounds a little creepy doesn't it find that one family and just keep <laughs> looking for that one family you know you know, that, it's almost like when a, a young person goes and says, I just want to get married. I haven't found the right person. I keep thinking I find the right person, and it just doesn't work out. And it's like, well, stop pushing it. <laughs> Is that what stops people from trying to make friends that we're just the one that tries so much? The yeah. work. Sometimes hope they, just to find the right friendship in a yeah. couple. Then we start seeing things we, like, oh... It's not looking good. Yeah, well, and that's, I think that's why prayer is such an important part of it, right? Is that uh, you're, you're praying to God, say, I want to raise my family a certain way. I didn't, I mean, we say this is the way you do it, but we didn't do that. I, I volunteered with the Capital Campa Campaign Committee for a Catholic school. As you are talking now about praying for friendship, I, I never thought about it. I thought about praying for a husband or, right. uh, or a wife. And now that you talk about it, it reminds me of a prayer that I found uh, about two weeks ago that I printed out and I have it in the house. I'll probably bring it next time because you guys just uh, talking about it. Mm -hmm. It reminds me how beautiful that prayer is. So he's going to say, you know, he just did this and he met these people, but I was always praying for Catholic communities. Well, and it was near and dear to my heart because I grew up with it. Like my parents did. had this great Catholic community that I grew up with, and I just like, I wanted to have that. And none of her friends liked me. Maybe one or two. <laughs> and when I met them, they were very protective of her, and they knew that I came from the other side of the track, so to speak. He wasn't raised I lived, in the same I lived Catholic up here, and she lived down in Sugar Land, and... And they were all very protective of her, and they didn't know me. 
<laughs> she didn't have a big family. She had a brother. My dad. And, yeah, but all the, family, all, the, yes. all the church friends. I mean, yes, yeah. the, our wedding was 500 people. And it really wasn't my side of the family. <laughs> and not, not my parents' friends. We didn't have that many. But it was half of her church. I mean, it was just a lot of people that felt like they knew her, her family very well. When, when her father passed away, there were over 1,000 people that came to his funeral. A thousand people for a funeral of a 16, I mean, 69 year old man. Yeah. He was, he had a community and he, and he worked hard at it. Anytime somebody needed a drive to the airport, I, you know, if he said, oh yeah, well, so-and-so needed a ride to the airport, so I'm taking them to the airport tomorrow morning, but I'll be back in time to take the kids on their, you know, bike rides. I mean, the guy was always serving. So, when we met this other family, it was because I volunteered to help build a Catholic school and be on a capital campaign committee, and so did the other guy. So I got talking to him on the phone, and, and I would say, well, where do you live? And he said, well, I live on this street. I'm like, well, I live on this street. We're just like two blocks away from each other. And do you have any children? Yeah, I've got three children. What are their ages? Same ages as mine. In fact, the birthdays were like a week apart from each other. It was it was, it was weird. We both had three kids. We had just had uh, our, third our third children each. And, um, and then we just kept having more. We started reading books together. And I can't say that this friendship just happened all of a sudden, but we had a lot in common. My wife keeps asking me, so why aren't we making any more good friends like that? I said, because I think we're past our time. <laughs> we had this really good, solid friendship with this family. And that happened because God blessed us with it. And I would say that's, that's what it is. And so... I wasn't looking for it, but God knew that's what we needed. Because right after we became friends with this family and Danae started to have a, a, a girlfriend, you know, a, a friend that, that was female, that she could talk to a lot. And I mean, it was just, it was a close relationship. My mother had been that person well, after we got married because my mom always wanted to come up and babysit the kids and just help, help us plan out our trips or decorate the house or whatever, you know. She, and, and Danae really loved that friendship. And then my mom got sick and died within a week. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was breast cancer and she just thought she had back pain and she had a bad mattress. She went into the hospital and a week later she passed away. That was a huge loss for our family, a huge loss. My, my, youngest, my oldest daughter was five years old. I mean, she was unconsolable. She had to go to therapy, play therapy to help her deal with the loss of this mother, because my mom was always there. And so for my wife, it was very similar. And so if ever you know somebody that loses a mother-in-law or a father-in-law, console that person, because my wife didn't get that. I got all of it. Everybody like, I'm so sorry you lost your mother. You know, I was like, I feel the loss so much. Yeah. But in God's infinite wisdom, he gave us that other family. And so my wife had a friend that she could talk to about how difficult it was and could keep raising the kids with somebody else. We took family trips together. We do the meals, I mean, all that. If we needed a babysitter, hey, you guys aren't going anywhere tonight? We're going somewhere, can you take care of the kids? I mean, we, we did stuff like that. Um, I, I remember one time, so I'm a private pilot, right? So I, I, we, I, I got my pilot's license so I could fly the family around. Well, we came, uh, what was it? We came back from a trip, I think. And, and uh, went to put the, uh, the airplane in the hangar and to, pull, and, and to start our car to get it out, and somebody had left the dome light on. Car would not start. I'm sitting there, the airplane's in the middle of the taxiway. That's, that's pretty bad. 
it's two o'clock in the morning and we can't start a car. It's in Georgetown, Texas. There are no taxis <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. There's, there was, it might have been before Uber. I mean, there was nothing. I tried calling the phone number on the back of the uh, driver's license. Can you come help us? Roadside assistance, we're on a public roadway. Where at? Georgetown Airport? Uh, well, that's not, no, sorry, I can't help you there. It was like, oh my gosh. So I said, all right, well, I guess I'm gonna call my friend. I called him up and he said, absolutely, I'm on my way. Two o'clock in the morning, a guy with probably eight kids or six kids at the time, two o'clock in the morning, not expecting a call from anyone, and it was a 30 minute drive. Got in his car, drove up, brought his jumper cables, jumped the char, we put everything up. And I said, out. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> right? How long ago was that? Uh, 10 years at least. Yeah, we probably had six kids at the time. Our seventh child is 12, so maybe 12 years or so, so somewhere around there, 10 to 12 years ago. No, no, no. <laughs> I would have, I, I would do it for him if he called me now. We could still do and it I would, And he would do it for me. Yeah. And we, we've talked about it, about, we don't see each other all the time, but I know that they're good enough friends to where if I'm in need, no matter what time, no matter how difficult it is, I could call them. And, you know, uh, in Scripture, one Scripture we might not have in here, but it might be in your, your handout is, you know, a, a friend is a, a sturdy shelter. He who has them is very blessed. Mm -hmm. it's, it's out of Sirach, I believe, and maybe, maybe Proverbs. But it's so true, right? And, and God designed us to be in community. And our parishes should be that way. When we go to church, and I'll describe beautiful parishes we've been in. And when we go up to Ohio for Catholic family land, it's a great opportunity to go see what the perfect Catholic parish should look like. I mean, the perfect Catholic parish. And that, that was their goal when they set this up. They put a chapel there, they, they put sports fields around, they have a, a dining area, which is all communal dining, and they have a bonfire, they have a daily mass, adoration, confession out in public, and everybody's there. And, and you walk down there and you see somebody in confession, you don't look at them and go, oh my gosh, what'd they do? They've been there a long time. They don't do that. They see mom or dad in confession and they go, oh, maybe I should go. Or they see their friend that they were in, in class with and they go, you know, I think I'm gonna go to confession. That's the beauty of community, is that just like a cheers community can cause you to drink more and to abandon your spouse and to do all kinds of things because everybody's doing it, so can the community of faith. You go to a good church where, where the pastor is leading and he is saying, hey everybody, you're my sheep and we're headed to heaven. Follow me. Right? That's what the master says and that's what the priest does for us. And when he marshals the troops and says, guys, we're going. And I want all of you to come with me. And I want you to help those who are struggling. That's community. That's what God designed this for. Right? He came and didn't say, all right, I'm the master. I can click my fingers and everybody is instantly going to go to heaven because you will all be converted and have no more free will. Right? Well, that's what would have happened. No, he says, I'm going to start with 12 apostles <laughs> and a lot of disciples. I send out the 12. I send out the 72 by 2. And they are to go preach my message and to bring more into the fold. 5,000 at Pentecost. And you, you look at some of the stories, and if you really like, so I, it's taken a long time for me to kind of figure some of this out, but I read scripture and I go, huh, 
I even look at the statues. I say, St. Longinus, if you're going to do the 33-day family consecration. I got, a, I got a page for him. St. Longinus. Anybody know who he is? Stretch. All right, so, so look at the cross. Jesus has five wounds. Do we know who inflicted all five of those wounds? Uh, he was a spear bearer. He was he a spear bearer. St. Longinus. Can you imagine what a strong community that was? For this guy who pierced the side of Christ, who obviously was standing there helping with the crucifixion. I mean, it doesn't say he hammered any, any nails in the hands or the feet, but he, he thrust his lance up there. Maybe not in a bad way, but I mean, heck, if, if he was still alive, he was thrusting a lance into the Savior. And when he did that, what poured forth? Blood and water. Blood and water. And uh, our... I guess it's, it's, I wouldn't say legend, but, but our, our oral tradition holds that he was instantly converted. Because blood and water from Christ, the church, poured upon him, and he was instantly converted. How do we know what was said in front of Pontius Pilate? How do we know? Witnesses. Okay, witnesses that were in the praetorium. Maybe Pilate's wife. We don't know. We know all of these things. When you start looking at it, going, how did, how did they know? Jesus didn't write anything. When he was carrying that cross, he didn't tell anybody what was going on. So there were people that were contributing to what was going on. St. Longinus, for example, instantly converted. And the Christian community, he had to go find them. And they accepted him in. They accepted the people who were in the praetorium, who, who provided those firsthand accounts that we read about in the Gospels. A divine revelation does not mean to write this. Inspiration, yes. But the actual words, all those things Mary held in her heart, she provided a lot. So that community was so strong, even accepting those people who participated in all of that. Right? I'm sure that the sons of uh, Simon of Cyrene, they became Christians. We have their names. How else would we have their names? What a community that was. They all held it in common. They all loved each other, and they accepted even Paul, who had persecuted all those Christians. It's a beautiful story if you look at it. I have one, one time I was given a, a penance to go read Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> I think it was partly so I could learn a little bit about community and what it was like back then. But it's a beautiful thing, and we can have that within our parishes. But sometimes it takes seeing somebody that you don't recognize that has a similar family makeup to you, you think you might have something in common with them. And you just walk up and go, hi, I haven't seen you here before. Or maybe I just haven't noticed you. My name is so-and-so. And I did that once. And they, uh, I said, oh, you have a lot of kids. We do too. Anyway, yeah, blended family. And they ran off. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's taking that chance to welcome somebody. Maybe they came back. We went to another parish. And they're like, yeah, it was really nice. I got a glimpse. I had to. I was kind of rude. Hmm. Oh, well. You know, extending that invitation and inviting somebody to walk closer with the community. It can only be positive. I'm reminded of a story that uh, Father Uche told one time about his um, home country. So we had an associate pastor from Nigeria, and uh, he would talk about what it was like in his village growing up. And even to this day, he said that, um, oh, well, we don't, we don't have our history written down. It's not like a history book. We teach our history orally. Like everybody comes and together as a community and the elders share 
their history, like they tell the stories. And I was like, wow, can you imagine what that would be like to have such a fun community that you would come together and listen to stories together? Like, I've, I've, I think that that's like what the Indians probably did and the, the tribal communities did, and we've gotten so far removed from that. And we do it in our nuclear families to some extent. But we need to bring that back. Like, we need to share more about who we are as Catholics because that's how we pass on the faith. You know, that's how Christ taught. Everything was in a story, a parable, and it teaches because of that story. And when you have things that you do together, you're building history with someone and, and you're creating that community. So what's your homework? Can you guess? So we have Lent. Do you guys have fish fry? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. A fish fry is a great way to build community. Jesus, I mean, look at how many times in the scriptures it talks about him sharing a meal with somebody. It's a lot. Right? And, and, he, and there were a lot of stuff recorded, but it talks about the eating as, as a big important thing. I find the, the fish fries or the, the soup dinners in Lent are great times to come together and meet some other families. Um, if you use tables like this and they're set up, you know, lengthwise, then you can actually sit at the same table with another family, even if you have a few people of your own. So your, your, your homework is to go to the fish fry, even if you don't eat the fish. No, really, I mean, because I, I won't eat the fried fish. It's just outside of my, my acceptable diet nowadays. Um, but I'd be happy to go. See, that's, See you that's, can get baked fish. There you go. Right? <laughs> See, so there are options. We, we used to go to a church, and it was, it was soup. One person actually brought a chicken noodle soup one time, which he was embarrassed. Um, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, that's right. Faux <laughs> pas. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, but you can go to that, and even if you don't want to eat, because if you're fasting or something on a Friday, then just go and say, hey, what can I do to help serve? You can clean up the tables. You can just go sit down and, and start talking to a, a family. And, and you just, can invite another family to come with, too. Yeah. That's another way you know, yeah. to bring someone with you when you go. But participate in the things the church offers, for one, and then help create more things to create more opportunities for families to come together at the parish. Yeah. As one famous singer said, where do I begin? I begin with the man in the mirror. <laughs> 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 because it's true. You know, do you want to have a great community which build on the great community you already have? Participate in it. Welcome the stranger. Thank you for listening. For more information on Your Holy Family Ministries, please visit yourholyfamily.org.